Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father has promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And I'm reading the uh, historical reading for for the Ascension. So um, the same author who wrote Luke is the same author who wrote the book of Acts. Um, And it was a peculiar choice to stick John right in between. Um, But you could actually read all of Luke and then all of Acts. And it will be like two chapters of one story. So this is what the author has to say in this second book. Uh, that was penned. And I'll be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, book of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all things that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to many by convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with the water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods of the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, Jesus was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we have made it. We we have made the... um, I like teaching you about the liturgical calendar and, and where we are, seasons, um, you know, the, the summer, spring, fall, they give seasons and help us locate ourselves in our, in our lives. And the same is true with, with um, these Christian or liturgical seasons. They give um, kind of a 
milestones or rather mile markers of where we are in our lives. So Easter was seven Sundays ago, hard, hard to believe. And in the um, resurrection of Jesus, he walked the earth for 40 days. That is a holy number. 40 days in the wilderness, 40 years um, in the wilderness, 40 days of Jesus post-resurrection finishing up some of his ministry. And that's what he's doing. He's, he's finishing things up. He's tying them with a nice bow. He is done. It's finished. And part of um, what the ascension means, it, it is an extremely important part of our faith. It lives in the Apostles' Creed for a reason. Now Jesus, he, he's shown great power, miraculous power, and did great feats, and, and was um, one with God, and spoke as the Son of God, he is the Messiah, but he could only be in one place at one time, because he was fully human. Surely all of us at some point or another had said to ourselves, I can only be at one place at one time. Gosh, I'd love to be in two places at once. Or if you're like me, you uh, bungle your calendar and you put yourself in two places in one time slot. Certainly done that. Jesus, who is fully human um, and fully divine, as long as he walks the earth as a human, he can only be in one place at a time. That's quite limiting right? And another thing, we, we spoke about this before uh, somewhere in, in my sermon series uh, this Easter. Um, Jesus has conquered death. It is done. He's not going to die again. When Razor, Lazarus was raised from the dead, when um, you know Elijah the prophet raised the widow's son uh, from, from the dead, when anybody is resurrected from the dead or resuscitated, they will live but they will die again. But Jesus has conquered death, so he will not die again. So how does he make his exit? His ministry's done. He's handing it over. And so he is not going to submit to death again, but will go straight up to the Father. He has ascended into heaven, reunited with God. Um, and, and we know, as uh, in the Trinity and through Scripture and all that he has taught us in the Gospels, uh, that he and the Father, God, were and are one. But now they um, rule together in the heavenly kingdom. Now, if Jesus' ministry on earth is coming to an end, what does that mean for us? Well, um, here comes the baton. It is important to know that uh, the work of Jesus still needs to be done. The world is still hurting. There are people who still don't, do not know that God loves them. There's uh, a world that still uh, is in darkness and, and has not experienced the hope of Jesus Christ or the love and grace of God. The work is not yet finished until all time is, is done and finished and God uh, sends Jesus to collect everything in his glory. So the work is not yet done. Who's going to do it? And so... Uh, this is what the ascension is. You know, Jesus, he had a long uh, farewell discourse in the last chapters of John. You know, he says, I'm going away, but don't panic. Well, the scripture says, do not let your hearts be troubled. But I like, don't panic, because <laughs> that speaks to my spirit sometimes. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going away. I'm going back to the Father. 
but you do not have to be on your own. Uh, the paraclete or the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will be sent to you. Now there is a little gap in time. Uh, Jesus ascends to heaven and, and the Holy Spirit is not immediately descended uh, like an elevator, Jesus goes up and the Holy Spirit goes down. Um, there's a period of time of waiting. and Waiting is really hard. 10 days of waiting. Uh, but Jesus gives them very clear instructions. He says, go back to Jerusalem and wait there. Wait. Uh, after a few days, after some time, you will feel the power of God. You'll be clothed in the power. You'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go together to Jerusalem and wait. And so I think of a, a baton race. I'm not athletic, I do not pretend to be. Uh, but I tried to, to uh, do a little bit of research and, and watched a little bit of uh, baton relay races, Olympic baton races on YouTube. And it's always interesting, you know, it, it runs smoothly unless the baton is dropped. And there's some complicated rules I won't pretend to understand, but you don't want to drop the baton. If it drops a certain way, you're completely disqualified. Did, did our baton drop at any point in here? Very good, very good. So um, when you pass the baton, what you do is you say, I have run my leg of the race. I'm done. Your turn. And then Jim runs his leg of the race and he says, I'm done. Your turn. And that, that's exactly what, uh, what Jesus is saying. I have run, Jesus has run the leg of the race. I'm done. My ministry on earth is done. I hand it to you, which is so lovely. It's so beautiful. You know, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, is everywhere, omnipotent, creator of the universe. God does not need our help. God could uh, redeem the world um, on his own accord and by his own strength and miraculous power. God does not need us. What makes it all the more beautiful that he still chooses us to partner with God to do this very important work. It's called Missio Dei, in mission with God, partnered with God. And so Jesus says, I'm going, here's the baton, I trust you with it. And it's so beautiful that, that Jesus, the Messiah, the, the perfect one, the sinless one, says, I trust you to do it. You can heal people. You can preach the word of love. You can forgive. You can feed. You can help widows and orphans. This was my work, and now it's y'all's. Well, Jesus didn't say y'all. He wasn't from the South. But you know, it's yours. You, plural. <laughs> and you kind of look at, look at yourself, and you say, me? It's pretty cool to be called upon to, to do this important work. And then for a moment you say, but me? Because every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us. We are sinful people. Our hearts, we, we try to align with God's heart, but because of who we are and how we are created with free will, we, we aren't perfect. We deviate and we turn away and still, God says, I choose you. 
You're the perfect candidate to do this work. And that handoff from Jesus and the ascension and the handoff to his disciples, there's a little bit of joy and celebration that God chooses us, and there's a little bit of panic. You know, when, when you watch the Olympics, they zoom in real tight on the baton. Are they going to drop it? Are they going to bungle it? Is it going to get, you know, passed appropriately before they, uh, you know, fail to cross this particular line? They zoom in on the baton. What's it going to look like with that transfer? And here's the thing in this space, in the slow motion of Jesus passing the baton to the disciples, as, as God is giving us the baton, we're zooming in and we're watching the transfer. And it's a pivotal moment that we get to claim in the next 10 days of receiving the baton. It's a pivotal moment that, that I can point to with um, the, the mission statement of the United Methodist Church and the mission statement um, of our church of two campuses. Our current mission statement is um, to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I've mentioned, I don't know if that's enough because disciples uh, messed things up, right? They cut off um, soldiers' ears. They, um, two of Jesus' disciples were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder because uh, they, they did Jesus wrong and they said, Jesus, call down the lightning upon this city. Jesus says, be cool. <laughs> sons of Thunder. Disciples mess it up a lot. Jesus, Jesus still chooses them, but they mess it up a lot. And then the, this expanded mission statement of uh, to be and to make disciples for the transformation of the world. That, that we can be sinful and mess up, but we are also fully capable of transforming the world and helping it make a little bit more like the kingdom of God. And now, in this time between Ascension Sunday and Pentecost Sunday, uh, which, is, which is next week, this pivotal moment of you are sinners, but I trust you. And the difference, the fulcrum of this pivot is what makes us able to do this important and difficult work because we cannot do it on our own. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is what changes us from uh, Peter jumping into the boat uh, without his shirt and and. It changes the, it's the pivotal point from, you know, betraying Jesus. It's a pivotal point in, in um, trying to get out of the boat and walking on water and sinking. It's a pivotal moment to the point where the same disciples, Peter and Thomas and John and James and, and Judas Iscariot, at this point on, past the, the Pentecost and the giving of the Holy Spirit, they start transforming the world. And we can too. Whew, that gives me chills. I don't know about y'all. We can change the world. We can change the world. Jesus entrusts us and passes the baton and says, I know you're sinners, but I trust you. You got this. And so between today and next Sunday, I want us to, to put our feet in the shoes of the disciples who had to wait 10 whole days in Jerusalem and wait, and wait. 
Who is Jesus going to send? How are we going to be clothed in power? How can we do this big, important work? We know we can't do it on our own. We want to do it. We wait. So let us, as God's disciples, wait. Join with me next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. I'm so excited. Normally, uh, Pentecost Sunday lands on a Sunday that I can't be uh, in the pulpit. It's uh, usually the first Sunday of annual conference. And for once, I get to preach on Pentecost Sunday. I am so thrilled. Y'all wear your red. Wear your red. We're going to have change investments. But between now and then, let us wait and discern as the disciples did the gravity of this important work to transform the world and the gravity that Jesus chooses us and entrusts us though we were still sinners. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord God, we give thanks to you that we are made in your image, that we are deeply loved, and that you trust us to do your important, miraculous, transforming work. Help us to not be troubled at the gravity and the weight of of this work, but let us be patiently waiting to be clothed in power so that we might be enabled to do your work well, to build the kingdom here on earth as you would have it. Lord God, bless each of us that we may receive the baton and do your work and do it well. In the name of Jesus Christ, the ascended Lord, we pray. Amen.